0: Welcome to Paving the Path. I'm your host, Shiva Mirasemi. People know me as a customer experience champion and a digital executive at Fortune 50 companies. I plan on paving the path in my show with women game changers, thought leaders, and executives touching the entire spectrum of digital transformation in healthcare. Join me in exploring the digital renaissance that's shaping healthcare today and forever, changing the future of wellness, care, and health. everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to have Sara Vaezi, Chief Digital and Strategy Officer at Providence Health, join us. She has quite a rich background, so I won't do justice by going through every detail with respect to her experience. But one that really resonates with me the most, and I'd love for her to chime in on, is the ability and kind of the insight with respect to technology and all that it's all it can offer at a healthcare system as large as Providence Health. So with that, let me switch quickly to Sarah. Sarah, just to get us started, if you can help us understand from your background, again, such a rich background, what brought you to healthcare kind of inspired you and to your position specifically here in today? And if anything, you want to add to my intro, if I missed anything. Sure. And thank you so much for having me, Shiva. I, um, I'm delighted to be here with you.
1: You know, I've spent my entire career either specifically within healthcare or in sort of the translational research space. So it's something that I always felt naturally drawn to and just the sort of fundamental right that I believe we all have to healthcare that is that meets our needs, that's affordable, that's high Quality and that is consistent with, you know, sort of just our values and how we access other things within our life, you know, so just. I think it's a very basic fundamental right and have always been really interested in trying to make the system better. So I've been with Providence, you know, for just about seven years. And prior to coming to Providence, I worked still on the healthcare provider side, but more in a consulting capacity. I was a management consultant and and then Prior to that, I worked at the intersection of health services research and health policy and did quite a bit of work with a lot of state agencies in Washington state, which is where I lived at the time. And I live now, again, around sort of state-sponsored programs around things like medical homes for folks who were Medicaid beneficiaries. I did a lot of early work on HIPAA and high tech back in like 2007, 2008, and did some work on policy solutions essentially for avoidable variation in rates of surgical procedures and things like that. And so it goes kind of way back to the early-ish 2000s, and then I was a research scientist prior to that at a medical device company that, that essentially was focused on drug delivery, more efficient drug delivery using therapeutic ultrasound. So always been sort of either explicitly in healthcare or adjacent to it in a research capacity. And it's just been a natural draw for me again, based on what I think is very fundamental. So you had asked a the question, there's sort of like, where do I find myself now? And in some ways it was very serendipitous. <laughs> you know, I, When I was a management consultant, I really enjoyed the work. I enjoyed working with a variety of different providers, whether they were academic medical centers or large integrated delivery networks. But there was always this existential sort of draw for me to not be on the outside. You know, as a consultant, you're never deep in it in the same way that an operator is. And I wanted to experience that role as an operator within a system. I didn't have a strong sort of technology background in the context of what I do today at all. And many of the folks that worked within the digital innovation group and still continue to work within the digital innovation group are from you know either big tech or startups that are purely in technology. So they have a depth of understanding around, around software that I didn't have. And I learned everything. I kind of came here serendipitously and uh, was recruited by my old boss through, you know, sort of right place, right time, right circumstances, met him. And, and he brought me on board and taught me a lot. I learned everything I know about enterprise SaaS and direct-to-consumer on the job. So it has been a very interesting seven years and I've learned a lot from the folks that do work on the team that have that background. So, so it was very much like the stars aligned uh, in a lot of ways.
0: No, it's amazing listening to you because your career progression in a way mimics all the transformation and progression that we are also seeing in healthcare. I mean, back in the days when you started, probably looked completely different, very research-oriented, of course, always highly regulated. But the role of you know the healthcare systems, potentially retail, and certainly consumers, have evolved so much. So with that in mind, and given how beautifully the, the stars lined up, For you and especially for Providence to bring such a kind of a well-rounded kind of leader to its uh, essentially leadership table, what, you know, kind of layperson's explanation of what Providence does, if you can just tell us the, the basics and also what you hope to change and how what Providence does is different from others in the country? That's a broad question. And I'll start with at the biggest picture, not
1: just limited to um, what we do within digital. But so just for background for folks, Providence is a large integrated delivery network based in the Western United States. We have over 50 hospitals. We have about a thousand ambulatory sites. We are vertically integrated in that we also have a health plan. We do work in supportive housing work in a lot of home and community services. We do work in education. So there's a lot of depth and breadth of what Providence is engaged in, um, in terms of both care delivery and then the upstream and downstream sort of drivers and factors around health more generally. So we extend all the way from Alaska, as far north as Alaska, and through Washington, Oregon, California, Montana, Texas, and New Mexico. Mexico. And it's a very large footprint. We have millions of patients that we serve every year. We have our health plan is very large. And so, you know, we've got some of the things that Providence has done sort of more generally are that, of course, we have depth and breadth around care delivery. But we're also starting to think about sort of the future of healthcare more generally, and in particular, what providers need to do in order to remain sustainable in a very difficult situation right and the last two and a half years have been very difficult and then 2022 in particular has been very difficult from a financial perspective as a lot of the factors are sort of colliding around workforce challenges Inflation, a lot of like post acute services kind of going away. And so we have length of stay challenges. You know, there's all these like, it's kind of a confluence of uh, factors. And in many ways, unfortunately, the perfect storm. So that's had significant impact on Providence as well as most other health systems. And if you were to talk with our CEO, the there's three things that we're kind of doing that in addition to our core work of caring for our communities and furthering our mission, we are doing three things to ensure the sustainability. The first is deconstruction. So ensuring that we really understand our business as like businesses like an ambulatory business, a hospital business, a health plan business, you know, and that way we can manage and understand, well what are we trying to achieve with each of these lines of business and that really helps to figure out the service models, the financial models, you know, and also frees us up to think about interesting new businesses that we can that we can create. The second area is diversification. So care delivery is going to continue to feel a lot of that downward pressure that we've been feeling for years and has accelerated significantly in the last two and a half years and especially this year, as we just talked about. So diversification is the mechanism by which we can tap into new sources of revenue that are not necessarily reimbursement dependent. And able to not only advance our mission, but also provide, for instance, services. We have a company within Providence called Tegria that is a rev cycle, insights, technology services company that we can also provide to other health systems to kind of in this like mutually beneficial model that supports Providence and our Um, Diversification goals and also provides other health systems with those same services. So that's the second D. And then the third D is uh, digitization. And this is where sort of the my you know I put my digital hat on. And this is a very broad area. Not like the other two aren't. They're very broad as well. But digital is and digitization can mean all sorts of different things to different people and different health systems. And when you talk to one chief digital officer, you kind of talk to one chief digital officer. And each system kind of has a different definition. And in our system, what we've done is we've actually kind of broken it down into different components that are owned by different folks. So for instance, our CIO BJ Moore is focused a lot on our core infrastructure, a lot of things like you know one of the largest Epic installs in the world. We just went through a major cloud-based ERP initiative with Oracle. And so we've got like a huge amount of infrastructure work that BJ owns, as well as caregiver experience. So he operates a lot of the technology that influences the experience that our doctors and nurses and other clinical caregivers, as well as non-clinical folks with throughout the system have, right? So BJ owns that. And then we get to, well, then what's the role of the chief digital officer? And so we've spent quite a bit of time getting really focused on where is the true opportunity and taking lessons from other industries as well. And so in many other industries, think like travel or banking, that consumer facing experience and that digital transformation that occurs around that is focused on kind of demand generation and demand capture. And we are creating within the context of my digital team as well as marketing. So I sort of have oversight over the consumer-facing front end of the organization, both digital and non-digital from a marketing perspective. That's what we're focused on, generating, aggregating and capturing demand. And so we've kind of divided up the world in that way and We build our operationalized technology on many of those core platforms that our CIO's team runs, and we're able to do it from a business objective perspective in order to drive growth. And then let's bring in the consumer. Well, what does that actually mean for the consumer? Create frictionless experiences, make them more seamless, reduce the fragmentation that our consumers and our patients experience, and then drive a level of personalization so things are relevant to them as opposed to generic or undifferentiated. And so those are the types of things that we're working to build for our patients and our consumers so that their experiences with us are more congruent with what they experience in other areas of their lives, like banking or rideshare or grocery delivery or what have you, right? There are lots of different examples.
0: Everything you said resonates quite well. So just to play this back, kind of the three D's priorities for, for Providence, deconstruction, kind of really managing and looking at every, every line of deliver care delivery as a business, really truly. And as a result of that, really getting down to what are new ways, untapped, innovative opportunities and businesses that you can serve the consumer and the member and the patient through. The second D was diversification. And the third was digitization and, and the diversification very much focused on, again, the care delivery upstream and downstream and digitization really focusing on the baseline and the foundational capabilities which really the CIO is managing and uh, honing on, and then your role, really thinking about the consumer, kind of this well-rounded experience, frictionless, all those good stuff. The one thing I want to probably ask you to dive a little bit deeper, you know, a lot of great promises, of course, across the entire from the startups to midsize to even pharmacy, you know the CVSs and Walgreens or even you know Walmart of the world. Still, if we look at the almost four trillion dollars that we spend in healthcare, there's estimation of a good chunk of it. Some estimate up to half of it is really either misconsumed or wasted completely. It's fair to say that consumers are not quite getting that. Frictionless experience across the board. Can you give us one or you know a namely example of uh, either a, a lifetime experience or a kind of a focused experience for your patients, whatever it might be—diabetes, etc. That has gone through a major transformation and actually has shown not only better experience but also better consumption of capital and less waste.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can give you a couple different examples that are even more simple than a complex example like diabetes management. There are a lot of different problems that are contributing to what you're describing. One of them or one set of these problems is around sort of the knowing the individual and then tailoring experiences to them based on what we know about them. So there's fragmentation in the data as well as fragmentation in the way that that data is brought together around a sort of profile of an individual. And so one thing that we've done is, and Providence promise in general to all of our patients is Uh, know me, care for me, ease my way. And so that's what we're working toward with the first step being know me. And so we've built a couple of different things around a consumer data platform. So again, we can know our patients across who they are more holistically, not just within their clinical delivery experiences, but also around how are they engaging with us from a web Perspective, for instance, and what kind of services are they looking for so that we can understand, like, what kind of information, what kind of service, what kind of, you know, how are they trying to bring their experience together themselves? Because a lot of it they're forced to do themselves, right? It's this holistic sort of understanding of who folks are. And then we're, and so you know, eliminating sort of the data problem as a first step of bringing together the experience side of things. And then the second is around identity. So it's not just sufficient to like know folks, but you got to connect that to how they actually interact with you. So we've built a what we call a simple patient identity platform that authenticates an experience for a given user. And they don't necessarily have to be a patient. They can create that account independent of having a clinical record with us. And then that that authentication allows them to do things like single sign-on with our properties, as well as properties of our partners. And it can allow them to initiate things like virtual visits much more readily and light up experiences for them that are relevant to them based on again what we know about them and the account that they have with us. So trying to eliminate the fragmentation around the data, the identity and then therefore the experience as one mechanism for that or where those two things surface up. So that's one example of something that we're doing. The another example of something that we're seeing and is something that we're seeing very tangible results in. And there are some on that first side too, but I'll just keep going. So a lot of what we're working on is from discovery through... Actually, like engaging around a specific service, completing a transaction, getting the delivery done, and then engaging on the back end, right? So that there's sort of this like loop for the individual that all comes together across the entire journey that they have. And a simple example that folks struggle with is just let me get the a care that I need right now, right? Like I wake up in the morning, I feel lousy what do I do, right? So first thing you do is you go online and you start to search and you want all your results to be in one place in terms of what your options are so that you don't have to like click around to 15 different places and do tons of research when you're feeling lousy. Then the second is, okay, you actually want to be able to transact or like book the service or engage in that service if it's virtually delivered. And then the third is you want what you get pointed to to actually be available. So essentially, help me find the service that's right for me, direct me to that service, and then ensure that that service has capacity so we built a technology around that that takes the friction out of getting care now based on what you need and we actually spun that out into a company called Dexcare it's like it's the technology platform that powers our on demand service offerings and some of the tangible results that we've seen is like of the patients that come in through that platform are new to the system, right? They didn't have some sort of engagement with us in the past. And they may have just been, you know, maybe they didn't have any primary care provider or maybe they tried to get in somewhere else and they couldn't, right? And so we're able to actually get them in. A lot of those folks are commercially insured because... A lot of folks that are commercially insured are online, right? Like they're just, they're a digitally enabled population of people. And then they engage with us on an ongoing basis too. So we've got measurable results in, ser- in terms of downstream services that those people consume when they need further care, which again, what would those folks have done if they couldn't have gotten in? So those are a couple examples of taking the friction out, taking,
0: creating sort of that connected
1: experience across a given journey.
0: Yeah, it's a perfect example because you create this seamless, frictionless experience, which, by the way, kind of eases the way of customer acquisition because less marketing is like the product in and by itself does the job of marketing for you, which is fabulous. It's very, very cost efficient. and, and, And I think it elevates the brand even more one of the things that this kind of aligns well with is the future of retail when it comes to healthcare and some of the companies again i, I think i mentioned CVS three times already in this call but like those retail shops are are trying to really expand i think it's more like these new verticals if you would to bring that one stop shop for all under one roof? Like what is your take or Providence's take on this retailization?
1: Yeah. So I think there are two themes embedded within what we've been talking about and what you just called out that, that are super important and are reflected in the retailization. The first is the decentralization and distribution of actual delivery. And even having a sort of, as you've described it, you know, a physical location, those are decentralized. Like it's not like you only go to one CVS location. There are thousands and thousands of them. And that's the whole value prop, right? Is that they are so close to most where most Americans live or work. Similarly with Walmart, similar, you know, there's Dollar General was making some moves in that same direction, right? So it's the distribution and decentralization of care delivery. That's one trend. And the second is the coordination and interoperability of information, data, and enabling technology, like connectivity across it. So those are the two trends that are working in service to all of this. And what we're going to see is more and more, um, I think more and more fragmentation of care in a way. So you can go anywhere, right? You can buy a la carte, essentially. And that's what we've been seeing with like a lot of these, especially younger folks. They don't really care, right? They just want to be familiar with the brand and they want it to be convenient to them and they want to be able to Afford it, and that model that enables that you know that them to get that care, but then also have some sort of connectivity on the back end from an information perspective is what we're going to keep seeing. And so, I don't think we're going to slow. We're going to see a slowdown in terms of the different types of players on the care delivery side by any means. And and to your point, like it'll probably pick up speed over the next several years. And. We're going to make up for what you lack and what you lose under that fragmented model through the interconnectivity and the interoperability of the data and the systems. So I think we're going to have more and more sort of multimodal care. That platform that I referenced around DexCare—that's exactly what they provide—is the ability to have multimodal care, and then be able to share that whatever the results are, the after visit summary and the clinical notes within the context of the patient's record, so that there is that continuum of care, as opposed to a fragmentation of the care as well. That's the direction I think we're going to be heading. And what Providence has done is we created that multimodal offering, as well as the enabling technology so that we can be ahead of the game. We've actually been working on this for about, I think we started six years ago and it really got a lot of momentum around COVID when in the early days when physical locations shut down and you needed to have like the continuity of care from a digital perspective. And then, you know, it all sort of started to build together around this more holistic hybrid model.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I'm not surprised that you guys are pioneering in in that space. Is there anything else in the next six or 12 months that we should kind of look forward to coming from Providence, whether within the digital or more generally around personalization or care?
1: The identity example that I gave is a very real one. So we're building an identity driven engagement platform that is the foundation for that Personalized care experience that's omni-channel. So whether it's a mobile or web, or in the future things like text-based, which of course happens today, but bringing them all together around one sort of persistent experience with that's authenticated is what we're working toward, and we're building an offering around that. You know, we've got four million accounts essentially live on our identity-driven engagement platform today already, and it allows for identity resolution and uh, sort of verification of identity and federation to partners. So we're creating an ecosystem approach. We're not entrapping our individuals around just what we offer, but really bringing in the kind of holistic ecosystem around what folks need more generally to manage their care. So that's the big thing that we're working on and we'll be you know formally kind of launching probably a new co around it in the next nine months or so. So we're really excited about that.
0: That's huge. That's huge. And talk about, you know, new forms of businesses and treating these innovations as a a standalone business, but very much connected to the core. One last question, and I know we have covered a lot, but where do you draw inspiration? Like what other trends do you pay attention to? Oh, good question. We are always taking lessons
1: from SaaS Enterprise SaaS, as well as sort of more direct to consumer businesses, always. And just learning from the ways in which they think about service delivery and tech enablement. And I'll give you one really interesting example, which a lot of systems are actually, or a lot of technology companies are actually working on, which is we had started thinking about this concept of like a national virtual network. And originally we were like, well, why don't we get all of, you know, why don't we get all of the services together and hire a bunch of docs and, you know, be able to create this like, you know, 50 state network. And then we thought about it and we're like, well, you know, Airbnb doesn't, own all of the properties that they put on their platform? What if we just took more of like this, Were the transaction brokering platform for a national virtual network instead? And so, you know, it really just shifts your thinking around that. And so we just, we're always trying to learn from those other industries that have made this economic shift. Because digital is not just about the technology, it's actually about the business model that it enables. We actually recently Wrote and published a piece around a digital flywheel and just the concept of how do you bring in membership programs and other things to support this great authenticated experience, but also create other, you know, add value added services that might have new economic models for you, but also be more, you know, have higher utility and uh, more attractiveness to the, the end user. So Flywheels are great in other industries. They've been used. I always use the example of Starbucks, which is like my absolute favorite example. Because not not only do they have a great app, but they've got a really interesting business model on the back end around how they sell their prepaid gift cards and what they do with the dollars that they save on not um, having a transaction processor. And so it's just a very interesting model. And we take a lot away from from industries like that and the work that they've done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a great model and and what's most beautiful about it is that it's all targeted to do what you just said a few minutes ago, frictionless, delightful experience that wants you, you know, come back and and really increases and lifts the brand's promise as well. So it's again It's a great analogy for doing the job right and building businesses that last and kind of going from good to great type of thing, which I think, you know, the U.S. healthcare system is really going through that transformation right now. Sarah, what I'd love to do is to come back to this conversation next year and revisit some of the themes that we just discussed and the progress that I know Providence under your leadership on digital and overall is going to be doing so, um, honestly honored. It is very much top of mind, progressive and ahead of the innovation curve. Uh, a lot of what we discussed. So congratulations. For all the accomplishments in a rather short time period that you have been the Chief Digital and Innovation Officer. And of course, credit to an amazing leadership team at Providence. Any final thoughts that you want to leave us with? Where do we find you? Where do our listeners? Find you. So, first of all,
1: I would love to come back next year. It'll help me, you know, keep the urgency for our team. And uh, so that would be great. We actually have a Dig Digital Innovation Group website that folks can find us on. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter, but you can find us on our website, providence dig.org. We publish a lot, we have a resource library where Everything we've talked about, you know, we write our thoughts down and get them out there and we'll love to hear from folks because it actually helps us advance our thinking too. So, um, always
0: encourage folks to, to do that and send us emails and let us know what you think. Absolutely. absolutely. I highly encourage our listeners to follow you on LinkedIn and just. I know you write a lot. You appear on podcasts, conferences. So you have a lot that people want to hear. And and so it's a way for folks to kind of keep in touch and follow your thought leadership until next time we speak. Sounds good. So with that, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, we wish you all the very best. And let's keep in touch. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Have a great rest of your day.